Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 79 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting platform you're using. Happy New Year, everybody. It's the first show of 2020. Joining me, as always, is my regular co-host, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I don't know if you just heard my dog barking. Um, Happy New Year, everyone. (laughs) Dogs are allowed to bark, man. I had my cat the one night, so it's all right. I, I'm at my. I'm not in my office this week. I'm watching my parents' dog because they have more of a life on dogs. I should say they have more of a life on New Year's than I do, and the the little one's probably going to bark. So I'm gonna have to tend to him a couple of times. But yeah, I apologize for that. <laughs> That's all right. It happens, man. Uh, it's good to talk to you, Jeremy. Happy New Year to you as well. And I hope everything's going well so far on day one of the new year. Yeah, um, can't complain. I went for a run today and nearly died, so that was fun. Right. Um, Sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to work out, you know, you know that New Year's resolution that everyone does is, I'm going to work out more this year, and then they give up after like two weeks. That's gonna, That's me this year, so looking forward to that. My New Year's resolution is to try not to lose any more limbs. That's a good resolution to have. We don't need we don't need you losing any more limbs. Yeah, that and avoiding the hospital. So, uh, so Jeremy, we're going to start off this week. Uh, we're doing a little quick news roundup, and one of the uh, big things that happened this week was the announcement that New Japan Pro Wrestling is done with Access TV. Something we speculated on back when Anthem purchased the network. Your thoughts on this news? Uh, their deal was through January 2021, so they're basically cutting them out a year early, which, yeah, I mean, we speculated that it was going to happen because they have impact, but at the same time, like, they had the deal in place. Why not just, since you have the contract, why not just run programming, even if you're just doing uh, the weekly shows and you're not doing any more, like, tape to air day of or live stuff that they would sometimes do in the past. Like if you just keep doing kind of the, the, those weekly spots with new Japan that you're doing, but they're, they're not even doing that. Um, which is, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's access. I don't think it's the best call. Let me let this dog in. Hold on. All right. Well, Jeremy tends to his dog. Um, the rumor going around is that, Anthem decided that they obviously want to focus on Impact, number one, uh, which is understandable because they own Impact. So I can understand Anthem wanting to focus on Impact and not giving any shine to New Japan Pro Wrestling, who not only was doing very well on the network and has been a stable of the network for the past few years, but is also going to be running new uh, U.S. shows this year. So I can understand Anthem not wanting to give them any shine. Uh, number two is I heard also the running around a rumor mill that uh, Anthem just decided that they did not want to pay the rights fees anymore for the contract and they ended the deal. Uh, again, likely to focus on impact, which I understand, but I also think a mistake because you're getting rid of something else that was a draw for that channel, like the MMA and stuff. But again, 
Jeremy and I talked to you about this back when the news broke about Anthem buying access that once certain people that were big supporters of the MMA and New Japan, like Adam Swift and others, got um, axed, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling was probably not going to be far behind. Um, and then there's going to be people that are like, well, New Japan probably caused this because they're still upset with TNA from shit from 10 years ago. Yes, it, it's all their fault that they had a contract and wanted to air content still. Sure, go ahead and run with that one. Uh, so basically what I heard, though, is uh, Anthem did not want to pay the rights fees. They did not want to have anything possibly outshine Impact, and they wanted to put all their resources into Impact, which, again, from a business standpoint, I do fully understand, but I also think you are hurting the network by at least not keeping the the regular New Japan programming on because you had it on a Saturday night. It's not like you were bumping Impact for it. So I, I think they should have kept it, but... Uh, yeah, New Japan off Access TV. Obviously, that means there will be no live U.S. specials airing on Access TV in uh, 2020, and it's the end of an era which um, was important for both New Japan's growth and Access TV's growth. So, end of an what, era. It sucks. What I don't get is okay. So they didn't want to pay the rights fees. They didn't want it to outshine Impact. Blah blah blah. Like as you said. It was on Saturday nights. It's not like it was interfering with Impact or anything. Um, you didn't have to do the the live specials or the tape to tape delay specials like we talked about. You could have used that show to promote Impact. Like it's a wrestling show on your network. You would think wrestling fans are going to watch it. Maybe not all wrestling fans who are watching Impact, but are watching the that New Japan special. Like run a bunch of impact commercials during that show and it, it, your audience is there it's it's a wrestling audience like i don't what are they gonna put on like d snyder concerts some more on saturday nights now i don't know what airs on access outside of uh wrestling but you know i don't know if that that's not the audience maybe it's the audience you're trying to target but you don't know if that audience is gonna come to you 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 have a wrestling audience that is watching these new japan shows you can promote impact through those new Japan shows. It doesn't, there's just a disconnect there for me. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. And it's funny because right away you have people that are going to vilify new Japan and they already are because they're like, Oh, new Japan's still upset about the Okada stuff and they don't want, you know, they still think it's TNA. Well, I mean, I understand why they were upset by that, but that had nothing to do with the deal. Yeah, maybe Anthem went to New Japan and was like, listen, we'll keep you on the network if you want to work with us. And maybe New Japan was like, fuck you, we don't want to work with you. And again, that's fine. So Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe New Japan did play a part in it and they said, yeah, we don't even want to be on your network because you have impact. But I find that a little bit difficult to believe considering they had the contract and it is their u.s outlet um and, and i mean the, people can get new japan world but it, it's still i think i think the contract thing is is the biggest thing is if you if you're saying that access didn't want to pay the rights fees then it definitely sounds like an access decision and, and not a new japan decision yeah, and that's the big rumblings I'm hearing. Again, it's nothing official. I don't have, like, super-duper triple inside sources on this, but from what I've heard, Access decided they did not want to pay the rights fees and they're going to put the money allegedly into Impact. And if that is the case, 
I do understand that from a business standpoint because Anthem owns Impact and they own the network, so you would want to focus on your property the most. I do understand that. I do think it's slightly short-sighted, though, because I think you just could have ran the replays and kept New Japan on the network on Saturday or Sunday or whenever the fuck you wanted to air it because it was important for the growth of the network. And it is going to hurt New Japan a little bit because it was part of the growth for them in the United States over the past few years. So that is the uh, that's the deal. No New Japan on Access anymore. It's a done deal, and uh, so that's what's going on with that. I guess on to happier news, Jeremy. Charlotte, well, they, they were really ahead. quickly, really quickly on the the New <clears throat> Japan stuff. Like they're doing New Japan USA, and maybe that's where Access had an issue as well. Is you know I don't know what New Japan's looking for in New Japan USA. There's still like not a whole lot of details. We have events but we don't know who's actually going to be there we don't know where it's going to air like in the past the the usa events haven't aired on access they haven't aired on uh new japan world except on like a delay and maybe access just figured well if there is a contract there and it it stipulates you know we have to give them certain amount of dates like if they want these usa dates we don't really want to air a competitor's product in that way um because new japan the japan shows aren't a super competitive product with impact the new japan usa shows kind of are a competitive product so from that standpoint i can understand a little bit more where access would be coming from yeah, and like I said, if that is, if it's just a strictly business thing because they want to focus on impact more and everything, I get it. It makes sense. But uh, like I said, let's move on to happier news, I guess. Uh, Charlotte Flair and Andrade got engaged, Jeremy. Are you happy? Are you excited? Are you going to the wedding? Uh, if they invite me, I'll go. I don't think I'm going to get an invite, but if they do, I mean, uh, Charlotte and, and I are North Carolina. You're North Carolina. Like we, we might get an invite. I don't know. I speak a little bit of Spanish. Um, yeah, good for them. Like I'm not gonna be sad over somebody getting engaged. Like it, they seem really happy. They they seem like a fun couple. So cool. Good for them. Yeah. No. Uh, in all seriousness, I am happy for them. Uh, they they do seem like a very happy couple on social media. On a joking side, though, Jeremy. Does Charlotte beat Rick's title record first or his divorce record? Oh, man, that's mean. Um, I, I would assume his title record because, like, if if she gets pregnant in the next two years, like, they're going to give her, like, 13 reigns just in the next, you know, before she has to go away for the pregnancy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, pro- definitely definitely the, the title record. Um Charlotte's, I don't think she's quite Rick in, in that area when it comes to a divorce. Wait, she's been divorced once, hasn't she? At least once. I thought it might be twice. Oh, well, that's still mean. But I'm not trying to be mean. I think it's a fair point. I mean, she talks about how she emulates her father and she's better than her father in a lot of things. I think both are in play. I mean, I'm kind of joking around, but seriously, think about it. Yeah, yeah, I I completely forgot that she had been married once and uh, that whole ordeal until you brought you brought up kind of the whole divorce thing. So I didn't even like that's why it didn't even register with me. But uh, yeah, I hope not. Like I think it'll be the title reign. I hope I hope they last. I, I like Andrade and Charlotte together based on absolutely nothing but their social media posts. No, I wish them all the best. I don't want to see a bunch of fucking divorces for her, man. Just uh, get some happiness. And, uh, you know, hey, if they, again, if, if they are happy, that is all that matters. 
Uh, and like I said, I'm just kind of fucking around just to make good audio. But uh, sticking with wedding thoughts, Jeremy, we had the big wedding on Raw, Lashley and Lana. Wedding of the century. That's what they said. Wedding of the century, decade, month, day, hour, whatever it was. It was the big wedding. Lashley and Lana were going to get married. It, like all wrestling weddings, unfortunately did not go well. We had, Shocking. We had um, Dollar Tree non-Scottish Joe Hendry appearing, claiming to be Lana's husband. I thought it was Brayden Maddox. Uh, sure. It, yeah. what is, it, is that his name? Brayden Maddox? It's not Brayden. Brad Maddox. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, he kind of looked like Joe Hendry's poor non-Scottish cousin. But anyway, he came out and allegedly was Lana's first husband that she cheated on and left him for Rusev. And that ended well. He got his ass kicked. And then uh, we had a young lady appear claiming it was not Crystal Marshall. She was claiming to be Lashley's first wife. Crystal Lana- Rivera. That's right. And uh, Lana slapped the shit out of her. And- she would have been like 18 when... Uh, Lashley was in the Marines <laughs> and if they got married. Hey, people don't need to know that. It, it, not, maybe not. Maybe even less than that. Like, Chris Rivera is pretty young and Lashley's kind of older, so <laughs> she hey. might have actually been a minor at the time. Wait, you know what? It's We, we don't judge Bob Lashley. We don't know what happened. <laughs> so, just when you think everything is in control, Bill Belichick's half-brother was getting back to the wedding, which we forgot to mention Bill Belichick's half-brother was officiating this. Um, He tried to get back to the wedding, and we got the new Liv Morgan, Jeremy. The new Liv Morgan debuted. She came out. She basically talked about how she couldn't let the wedding happen because she was in love, and this person let her be free and all this stuff. And Lashley immediately goes, I don't know her. I've never been with her. And that's when Liv dropped the bombshell that she wasn't talking about Bob. She was talking about Lana, Jeremy. And things just went downhill from there. Rusev popped out of a cake. There was a big brawl. People almost died. It was pandelirium. Dogs and cats living together. What were your thoughts on this whole gigantic wedding thing? Bobby Lashley's 43 and Carissa Rivera is 27. <laughs> well, there you go. That's, that's kind of some problems. Um, it, it was a disaster in the best way possible. I, I, I mean, look, it's a wrestling wedding. If you expected anything different, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, the, these things never go well. I, I like, Literally the most famous wrestling wedding, at least in the modern era, is when someone was drugged and forced to be married against their will. So, yeah, like that's that's the bar we're talking about over the last 20 years or so. I, I will say the Bully Ray Brooke Hogan wedding with the big aces and H reveal was actually pretty good. Nobody watched that, so it doesn't count. Fuck you, um, I watched it in review. <laughs> what that happened on? NXT UK? Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, yeah, it was, it was disaster, but it, it was great. I thought like, like I turned my brain off with a lot of WWE because they almost force you to turn your brain off. 
if there's a wedding angle, like that's the best time to turn your brain off. A lot of it didn't make sense, but it, it was entertaining to me in, in a just a so bad it's funny type of deal. I don't know where they're going with Liv Morgan. Everybody wants to chime in on the the sexuality stuff, and like it's not my place to say, okay, is she bisexual? Is she a lesbian? Like pansexual i i don't know and whatever she is 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 what she is i hope they they do it some type of justice because it's gonna get it's gonna get heavily criticized if they don't do it justice because that's just the world we live in nowadays um but look it was it was a wrestling wedding like i don't look to wrestling to to guide me morally when it comes to social and political issues and, and things like that because it's fucking wrestling why why should you look to this stuff uh i i thought it was it was dumb fun i thought it was dumb and i i honestly didn't even find it that fun i was hoping it was going to be so bad it's good but it just it never really did that for me um yeah, I just, I don't know, Some of the, sometimes I'm okay with that stuff and it really clicks and I get a good laugh or whatever, but this kind of wasn't it for me. I didn't loathe it like some people. Um, my big thought coming out of this is, if they're going to try to do some kind of relationship angle with Lana and Liv, I don't have a lot of faith in WWE to pull it off with any kind of tact or class. And not just because it's WWE, because the wrestling business as a whole is generally rather shitty. And I just, I don't have a lot of faith in them pulling it off. Well, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe they have a a fantastic story crafted. And maybe it plays out well. I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in it, though. But, I mean, I will, you know what? If it ends up working out well and Liv gets over and ends up becoming like a a big star and an important woman in the division. I'll eat some crow and tell you I was wrong. You know, if it is, that's fine. I just, I don't have a lot of faith in it. So, but um, I'm willing to see where it goes. Um, I thought Raw, besides the wedding, was actually pretty good this week. I thought there was some good wrestling on it and some good angle advancement overall. We got bloody uh, Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black again, which is always a lot of fun. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't. I know a lot of people were ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater um, when the wedding ended because they didn't like the wedding that much. But I, I don't think that that was enough. Even if you hated the wedding, to ruin what I thought was a pretty strong show. So, um, yeah, I'm willing to see where the Live Lana stuff goes. I'm willing. I want to see how deep they get into it and how they actually try to pay it off and map it out. And like I said, though, not a lot of faith in it, but I am willing to be wrong on it. I don't have much faith in it either because WWE has never proven they can do these kind of stories well at all without turning it into something dumb. But like that's where my expectation level is. And I, I think that's where people are almost setting themselves up for, for disappointment is like they want them to do justice to the, the community and, and look, it's a it's a whole different argument if you think WWE should be doing this stuff because they are you know they they try to act like they're they're these uh, great community leaders and all of this stuff. So if you're gonna do these kind of storylines, like you you should do it justice. Me, I kind of see through the 
okay, what we do in our chief brand, Stephanie, the corporate speak stuff is one thing. What we do on television is a completely different thing. So I don't have those expectations. I expect it to fail. I expect it to be stupid. I expect people to get pissed off that it's it, it's a disservice to the, the, the gay community. And that, that's probably if, – and if it doesn't, great. I'll, I'll, happy to, I'll be happy. That, that I'm wrong and that they, they did something well. And if it does, like then it does. But it, it, I just wanted to be entertaining, honestly. Like, just entertain me. And for the most part, because it was so stupid, I was fairly entertained by, by, by the wedding stuff. So if it entertains me, that's all I care about. Well, there you go. I think that's fair. I think it's a level-headed assessment. Um, so let's go ahead and get into our Wednesday night deal, Jeremy. AEW Dynamite. January 1st, 2020, the first show of the new year. JR, Taz, and Excalibur were on commentary because Tony Schiavone was away with uh, radio duties for football, I believe. So we started off with Darby Allen versus Cody, Jeremy. Cody won the opening match here over Darby Allen, 17-25, with the help of his head coach, Arn Anderson. Uh... Arn Anderson did not cheat to help Cody win. He just actually gave him advice like a head coach, which was a refreshing take on a ringside manager, not resorting to cheating or anything. Uh, I thought they had a really good match. Uh, I thought it was similar to the first match and a lot of what they did. Uh, it was also very similar to Cody's match with Sammy Guevara. In fact, that uh, the youngster gave Cody fits again, but they got to look really good before losing. I did like the Arn stuff. And, uh, you know, Cody, um, you know, the whole thing going into the show where are the elites still elite? So uh, I think Cody proved he is, honestly, because he had another really good outing here. Cody was over big. Darby Allen was over big in the building. And I thought it was a really strong way to kick off the show. I really enjoyed the match. Yeah, it was a great match. Um, they played off the the first bout. They They have great chemistry. I mean, Cody... I've raved about him this year because his in-ring work has been fantastic this year. I, I don't think he's had a bad AEW match so far. Um, yeah, that Young Bucks tag team match was a little self-indulgent, but otherwise, like his his single stuff especially ha- have been fantastic every single time out, and, and this was no exception. Um, so I, I love this match as well. Cody selling of the arm was very good. My only complaint was the apron coffin drop where they essentially no sold it and there was confusion over did he get the knees up and and like he clearly didn't and then it didn't even matter because again they just like kept going on and and didn't even like they barely sold anything from that i didn't like that uh otherwise the the match was great i like arn anderson head coach he's giving him plays he's giving him advice uh to tell him get the knees up on the coffin drop and stuff i i i'm look i've said for a long time that like if aew can give me like a real sports kind of feel i'm all for it and I'll mention this more in the, the, the recap, but that's what this show really felt like is it felt like a soft reset of, all right, we're going to just do straight up kind of sports stuff. No like little bullshit kind of stuff anymore. No sports entertainment nonsense. Like it's going to be sports. And that I think that's great. And the head coach stuff 
is exactly is exactly that and we'll see if you know more people try to do this stuff like the the totally blanchard with sean spears i guess that was kind of the first uh incarnation of this and they completely botched that like that that turned into a disaster because they they didn't put spears over cody and then the whole thing just looks stupid and now they're kind of making good with that maybe they can turn around sean spears even though he's losing on uh pre-shows and, and stuff right now but yeah I, I i love this match i love everything about it except for the apron coffin drop which they know sold I think that's fair. Yeah, um, that 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 did come out as really odd to me because it was like they were selling everything else so well, and then they did that spot. And like you mentioned, commentary was like, I think Cody got his knees up, and then the other one was like, I don't know. It's like, okay, guys, make a decision and go with it. And then of course, like you said, it kind of didn't matter because they just kind of went on with things. So. But yeah, really good. I thought it was like a hair below their first match, uh, quality-wise overall, but I thought it was still really good. Uh, Darby, I guess, I don't know if surprising is, but like surprisingly really over in the building, too. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, Darby is, he's been presented, even though he's not like winning, He's he comes off as a, like he went toe-to-toe with Jericho, he went toe-to-toe with Moxley, he went toe-to-toe with Cody once and now twice. Like those are your three biggest stars in the company. And okay, he's uh, 0-3-1 against them, but you can get over in losses if you were treated like Darby is treated. And I do think this is almost a drawback of the records is like people see that his record kind of sucks and that he's, you know, especially in these big matches, he's 0-3-1. And, 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 like, if you put too much stock into those records, you'd be like, okay, why do we care about this guy? But if you kind of throw that record portion out and you just look at the the matches and the reaction, you're like, okay, I, I get this guy. I get why he's over. Exactly. I agree. So uh, we got a short promo from SCU. They made fun of the Dark Order and called them a bunch of spooky perverts. Sammy Guevara interrupted, made fun of Daniels for being old and losing all the time, and Daniels challenged him for a match next week. I'm going to slap the grin off that young whippersnapper, Sammy Guevara. This was fine. Like, the, the Dark Order stuff, they clearly, like, it seemed like it was supposed to be a big deal at the end of last show. I mean, it obviously was. They took out everybody. And then in, in this, you know, in this uh, tonight on this show, they were just like, a non-factor they had a little video package and then they were dismissed here by seu like the elite didn't even like bring them up or anything um so that this is what i'm talking about with like a kind of a soft reset type deal um but Guevara makes a lot of sense because he's like the young guy trying to punk these old dudes like he fought dustin on this show now he's coming after daniels like i i like that character for for sammy Guevara. like let me promote my social media get on instagram try to hit on celebrities and uh teach these old dudes that they just like they, they need to go the fuck away i also like it a lot too because at one point daniels was that young uh douchey asshole like sammy is like didn't right. respect anybody did his own thing so it's in a way it's like full circle it's gonna it's like kind of biting daniels in the ass for what he used to be and he's kind of looking at a younger version of himself uh looking to take him out but yeah i like i like sammy a lot sammy getting screen time is always a good thing and i think i think for somebody um as inexperienced on national tv as sammy is he does a really good job already 
Yeah, him and MJF, when it comes to, like, you can tell they've got a lot of trust. I mean, MJF is getting promo time almost every week and, like, long promo time. And Sammy keeps getting more and more promo time. Like, the, the stuff after the Moxley match uh, was a big-time trust effort because he had to carry that whole thing as he was walking to the ring and whatnot. So, a yeah, I've complained that Sammy should be winning more, um, and he did win tonight, which we'll talk about, but they, they clearly trust the guy when it comes to segments. Yeah, and the other thing, the, the comparison to MJF is pretty good, but, I mean, MJF, though, at least had, like, the MLW experience, because it's not as big a TV, but it's still TV, and Sammy didn't have that coming into AEW. So right. that's a lot of trust on him because he didn't even have like that lower level, so to speak. And I'm not downing MLW. What I'm saying is just MLW is on a much smaller network and stuff. But at least MJF did have that um, those reps on TV with the promos and stuff comparative to what Sammy had, which was nothing. And I think that, yeah, that does show a lot of trust in Sammy. And again, I think that uh, comes in part with Jericho picking him to be in the inner circle and really wanting to work with him. So, and that that's good to see trust in a guy like that. And it's really good to see him delivering as well. I think the vlogs help, like, honestly, because you do those vlogs, you show that, hey, I can be entertaining in these, like, short 11, 10-minute videos, whatever they are. Obviously, they're edited, so you keep the most entertaining parts. But, I mean, the Young Bucks are obviously, like, they Guevara was telling me that you know he did these vlogs before they were doing them but they really popularized them them in Cabana really popularized them uh in, in the wrestling community so the Bucks probably they obviously saw that and they're like all right we know this guy can carry an entertaining segment like anybody that goes around doing these vlogs like YouTube stars are YouTube stars for a reason they're entertaining in some way even if it's just on YouTube but um they, they can be entertaining on television if you do show that trust to them it does doesn't always work out sometimes you put these youtube idiots on wwe when they're special guest hosts and they fail completely but sammy's a wrestler so it's not quite the the same comparison fair enough so moving on um originally the women's championship match tonight was going to be riho defending against chris statlander and then a bunch of shit happened and it was uh revealed that statlander was going to be working bar wrestling tonight and that AEW is going to let her keep her previous booking. And this led to a just a giant shit show online. Uh, people bashing Statlander, people bashing AEW, people shitting on bar wrestling. Uh, just it was it was all over the place. Jeremy, whose, side, whose side are you on on this, Larry? Well, okay. Here's the thing. AEW booked this match, and announced it for this date. They should have known, I don't care that most indies don't run Wednesday nights, they signed her to a certain amount of dates, you're going to advertise her for a show, you should know what dates she has to complete still. So, I think that they fucked up. You yeah, should, I'm with you. you they should have known that she had a booking. They signed her up for X number of dates reportedly. Apparently it's not like a one-year deal or whatever. It's X number of dates right now. They signed her up. You should know if she's available before you announce the match and advertise it. I think it made AEW not look that good um, on that end. Yes, it. May, on the other hand, they do look nice because they let her keep the booking. And they're playing nice with indies and shit like that. 
But I just think overall, though, it is a bad look and poor form when you've advertised that match. You just, you should know better. You should know what dates you have on people. Yeah, I fall, I fall in that same category of if, like, she had the booking, you either know it and you don't book to where you, you have this match for her, for her on this date and then, you know, you look like you're a professional organization or you do what they did and completely like oversight it and it, it looks bad on the company. Yes, as you said, like it they, they made the best out of it. Uh and they, you know, turned it into where they kind of bought some goodwill because it's like, oh, thank you, AEW, for you know, not pulling her from this event. Like yeah, it is it is good that that didn't happen, but you also screwed up by even announcing this match when she had that book had that date. Like you, you've just got to know those things. So they, they made the best out of it, but they, they did. It wasn't a great look for them overall. I don't, I don't blame bar wrestling. Like what are they supposed to do? Like let her say, ah, go, go work your AEW date. Like, no, they booked her first. Like she sold tickets. What is Statlander supposed to do? Like she, she keeps her commitment. Um, you know, she doesn't take the, the big time commitment because then she looks bad and is like, oh, you're going to the big company instead of sticking with your indie. Like, you know, you sold out or whatever. So it, it's a 100 percent fault of AEW. It's great that they made the best out of it, but they, they really should have known better there. Yeah, you just you got to know when you have dates on people, man. You, you can't make mistakes like that. It's just because, again, it's just it, it makes you look disorganized. And yeah. not like a professional company should look. So, um, But anyway, so they uh, decided uh, that she's going to get a title shot next week. But they still had a title match this week between Riho, the champion, Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, and Karashita. And Riho retained her championship, Jeremy, 10 minutes and 10 seconds via pin. Your thoughts on the match, sir? Uh, it was a good match. The finish was a little slow developing i think uh there was a lot of like pen breakup spots where it, it was just you could just kind of tell it was coming and very very telegraphed stuff um which took me out and the the ending was, was definitely very much like that um i i didn't like even just the booking of this match honestly because riho had beaten all three of these ladies in singles matches. So it's like, why are they even getting a title shot out of this? I understand they wanted to, to make good and, and do a title match. And they felt this was the, the best option, but I think they could have, uh, I don't know what they could have done differently, but it seemed maybe just give Nyla Rose like a, a one-on-one rematch, but I guess they didn't want to beat Nyla. Um, I don't know. Yeah, they tried to make the best out of it, but be because of the circumstances, I think they almost they they kind of just win against what they stood for when it comes to to rankings and records and earning title shots and stuff because it didn't feel like any of these ladies had earned a title shot, especially Baker. Like she just lost the number 1 contenders match. What is she doing in this match? And, and then she she lost again. So, um a good match finish took me out of it and i just questioned the the overall booking of the match and i understand why they had to book it but it i mean it doesn't make it any better yeah i my first instinct was that they should have just done uh the three without reho in like a you know a possible contenders match since you're resetting the stats and everything i think that would have played a little better 
Um, but I understand why they did the match because they did an angle later in the evening uh, with a backstage interview, which we'll talk about when we get to it. Uh, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was actually really good. I thought uh, really good action throughout. I thought everybody was working hard. I thought everybody actually looked really good. I thought it was one of the better AEW women's matches, and I know some people are going to say that's low-hanging fruit because there haven't been a lot of great ones, and there haven't been a lot of great ones. There's been some okay and good ones. I enjoyed this one a lot more than most of them. I think they did a lot of good work. I think your criticism about some of the, the pin breakups are fair. And that's a symptom of multi-person matches, unfortunately. But I did I think everybody got a good chance to shine here. And I did like the angle they did later in the evening. And they also did a angle post-match where Nyla Rose attacked Riho and put her through a table. And that is probably going to lead to uh, the speculation that, oh my goodness, is she going to drop the title next week? Who is Kenny? To, to help her out. He saved her last time from Nyla killing her. Dude, now he doesn't care. It's 2020. There's new video games out. He was busy. Are there new video games out? Fuck if he tried to play now. WWE 2K20, it crashed on him. <laughs> that's so right. He wasn't playing that. That's for sure. Um, he was trying to get it to start up, and it kept fucking <laughs> crashing on him. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, the post match angle, um, and you're right. I probably did undersell like the actual action in the match. Uh, I didn't like the the telegraph pen breakup stuff, but like bell to bell. Otherwise, it was it was very good, and everybody did get get some shine. Um, uh, but and the, then the post match angle, like they're putting Nyla Rose over on this. They're you know squashing Riho to kind of sell that. Yeah, maybe she she could be beat next week. A lot of fatigue. Um, I wish they would kind of mention, and maybe they will next week, mention the Japan stuff. Um, I mean, they, they have a relationship with Stardom uh, where, where she was working while... Was she, was she, she was working with Stardom, right? She was yeah, aware? I think so. I'll look it up. I don't want to... I can't remember, dude. I'll be corrected. Um, but anyway, wherever she was working, like they can mention it on TV. And I'm, I'm sure they're not going to get yelled at or... Like, it'll be fine um I, I i hope so my overall point though was i hope they mentioned that next week is like you know she got taken out by nyla rose Britt baker she was on stardom by the way uh Britt baker says she wasn't here uh each week but that's because she was working tours in stardom so she was traveling to japan working working uh like shit she she worked a bunch of, she worked more shows on stardom than she would have worked week to week in aew so she was working all those shows like she is fatigued she's beat up chris statlander she's relatively fresh um you know you can you can play that angle up but but one you've got to mention the stardom stuff two you you've just got to mention the the overall fatigue of that so i hope the nyla rose attack does play into that kind of overall story yeah i hope so too we shall see uh, Joey Janela was going to be interviewed backstage until Penelope Ford punched him in the dick. That sucks. And then uh, she left with uh, her man Kip Sabian because she's super bad. There you go. They're, they're both super bad. I guess Janela's done with Sean Spears. Well, he dressed up as Santa and beat him on AEW Dark last week with the help of Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm I not mean, kidding, that... by the way. No, no, no. I believe you. Like, I saw highlights and stuff, so, like, I, I trust that it's true. Um, yeah, I they, they, that needs to be mentioned because, like we've talked about before, not everyone watches Dark and Being the Elite and, and the Road 2 shows and all this stuff. Like, if you're only watching Dynamite, your last memory of Janela is the, the 
the Sean Spears stuff. And it doesn't seem like that was ever really wrapped up. So show highlights of Dark during these shows so people can can understand and, and like promote Dark as well. Like, hey, you should be watching this shit every week. But if you don't, here's kind of what happened. So especially if it's a big match like Sean Spears and Joey Janela. So people just understand this stuff. Yeah, it would be nice if they did that. And we've been saying that for weeks, though, so... Uh, we got our lone Dark Order video package in the back. Uh, Evil Uno was talking to the Exalted One and said that the Elite had fallen and soon we will see the true reach of the Dark Order. Apparently the Exalted One is uh, Doc- Dr. Claw from like uh, Inspector Gadget. That's what he sounds <laughs> like. Uh, that's fine. Like This was a, a fine use of, of Dark Order this week. We will see where it goes with them because obviously we, we heard the criticisms and the backlash of the the dark order segment a couple weeks ago and they didn't do like a huge follow-up on this show but they they did enough to to keep it in mind and we'll we'll see how much they they pivot with the dark order stuff if at all i do think it was smart to minimalize it this week and to maybe regroup and rethink things obviously because there was a big backlash I don't, again, it's not one of those things where I thought it was an exact, it wasn't a completely horrible idea, but it came off really bad. And when you anger, not just like the people that generally don't like the show anyway, but you anger the people that really like the show every week, you, you did something wrong. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, next up, John Moxley versus Trent. John Moxley defeated Trent 11 minutes via pin. Uh, I thought they had a very good match. Did not overstay its welcome. Trent did not get completely squashed. Had some nice shine in this. He's had some really good singles outings as of late. I think it was smart not to totally destroy him. But uh, Moxley obviously picks up the clean as a sheet win because he is your number one contender. And still looks strong. So I thought this was really good. Yeah, I, I like this match. Um... Trent, as you said, got got some shine. Didn't get completely killed. Moxley was him losing was or winning was never really in doubt because that's the the next title challenger. So you're not gonna have Trent beat him. Uh, but they they made it kind of c- close where you think, oh, maybe Trent can get him. Um, Orange Cassidy and Moxley got a they got a fun little square off. So overall, I thought this accomplished a, a lot, and Moxley can, continues to kill it in AEW. Moxley with the aggressive hands in his pocket standoff with Orange Cassidy. <laughs> like Moxley does not want that Orange Cassidy smoke, okay? He, he doesn't. You saw how quickly he turned away and, and was like, all right, I'm done with this guy. Like he, he was not about to get killed by those kicks. Moxley's got a big match in New Japan. He did not want to be crippled. I mean, can you blame him? Those are the most devastating kicks in the sport. That's right. So uh, that led to young Sammy Guevara heading out making fun of the fans, stealing drinks and food from them. Said he had a surprise for Moxley, which was Chris Jericho via video, who praised Moxley's match, talked about wanting him in the inner circle, and said he's offering him more than anybody else at AEW. He wants him to co-lead the inner circle, offering him 49% of inner circle LLC. A A generous Chris Jericho, as always. And he offered him a new car that was apparently worth millions of dollars that 
All of the inner circle pitched in to buy him. They even got him a custom Mox license plate. Said they can control the company together. They can run run everything. They can ruin the Bucks, Cody, Omega, and Jungle Boy, who he still claims he beat. Said just say yes. They're going to be waiting for him. And then he left in the car, which is kind of sketchy. You bought him a car and now you're leaving in it, but all right. <laughs> so Moxley took the mic. Said the truth was that he's looked at Jericho for years as a friend and a mentor. And that he's going to give him his answer in person next week, Jeremy. It, it made sense, the, the little recruiting pitch. One thing is, like, no one, we haven't seen any other offers to Moxley. So he's basically just bidding against himself and is, you know, doing all this stuff to get him. Like, he's making a strong bid. I have no problem with that. If you really want this guy, go out and, and bid for him. But, you know, the Nightmare Collective isn't going after Moxley. Dark Order isn't going after Moxley. So you're really just you're, you're selling off your entire stable to, just to get this guy, which shows that he wants him bad. So I don't have an issue with that part. Um, I, I don't know if his pitch was great. Like, he's offering Moxley control of stuff and, and lavish things like that that's not what moxley wants he just wants to beat the fuck out of people from everything we know he should he should offer them like training the gym membership or something uh so yeah it, it, it's fun I, I got no issue with it i have my my sports kind of uh fun with it but uh the tampering violations and and uh <laughs> recruiting you know illegal recruiting tactics here offering cars and whatnot but uh otherwise yeah i like i don't think moxley's going to join i i do think the the uh, you know be a leader 49 percent. it's it's kind of a poke at the co-executive vice president stuff so and like what is the um what what is the 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 equity control of of inner circle right now like is, is jericho 100 and that's why he's giving up 49 percent. because if if guevara santana ortiz and hagar have like any equity then moxley would be the 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 majority at 49 percent. would he not technically i think jericho has 100 control and that's why okay he's offering 49 but all right that way he he maintains the uh the voting shares yeah, that sucks for that sucks for the other guys, man. Like they they got no equity in this; they're just there. Like they gotta they gotta renegotiate now. Like that Jericho's really screwing himself over with these uh, negotiations with the uh, or this this offer to Moxley because now everyone else sees what what Moxley's getting offered and they're gonna be like, wait a second, like why, why don't I get this stuff? He's Jericho's fucking up the salary cap, man. I'm yeah, you. he really is. <laughs> Yeah, he should. You mentioned how Moxley doesn't want lavish things. He just wants to kill people. It would have been great if Jericho would have been like, listen, we're going to be in Japan this weekend. I'll take you to Akumite and you can kill some guys. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they want to mention New Japan, but. They didn't have to say New Japan. He he just could have said, hey, we happen to be in Japan this weekend. Oh, that, that's where the tampering comes in because they're, they're going to be together and the, the league the league office needs to, to look at this stuff. Um, but, but yeah, like I, I, I think it's, it's fun. I don't have an issue with it. And it, it draws the story out a little bit more. We, we kind of talked about when they, they first squared off, like, okay, they're not doing their big match until the pay-per-view because they're definitely not giving this away on TV. And the pay-per-view is not till end of February. You got some time. 
be between then. So you gotta you gotta fill something with that time. And and Jericho even mentioned that in interviews. He's like, we're we're not gonna do it right away. Like we're not gonna rush things. And this is their way of of not rushing things. And hey, maybe Moxley joins for a couple of weeks and then he decides, fuck these guys. Like they're just annoying as shit. And then just decides to turn on them all. And but he still has forty nine percent of the inner circle. Hi. Hi. That's right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they play out to build because they do have a lot of time to build to that pay-per-view. I'll be interested to see how they can keep it hot that entire time without, you know, burning through, like, brawls every other week and everything. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see how they pull that off. Uh, Speaking of the young Spanish god, Sammy Guevara, he had a match with Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Sammy Guevara won at 11-10. He had some help from Jake Hagar on the outside after a referee distraction. The match, to me, served two purposes. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it was designed to continue to build to Dustin Rhodes and Jake Hagar because of the arm break incident. And it was also getting Sammy a win on TV, which we have been asking for for a while. Picked up a, he, had, he picked up a win the other week on Dark, too. So that's good for Sammy picking up wins. Yeah, nobody watches Dark. Um, I know. But... I'm just mentioning it in context. <laughs> Uh, it is it is good that, that Guevara got this win. I was very happy to see him get this win. You know, he can beat Dustin. Dustin's going to be fine. Dustin doesn't need to, to win any matches, really. Um, and you can you can play that his arm was still hurt. Whatever, you, you know, Hagar was there. Like, it, it's okay. Glad Guevara got the win. He looked good. Dustin still looked good. I, I really liked everything about this. Again, my one nitpick. I'm, I'm waiting for it. Yeah, the destroyer on the apron, like, just completely unnecessary. It wasn't the finish. I understand he didn't kick out. He got the foot on the rope or whatever. But don't do it. Like, just do not do it if that's not going to be the finish. Like, just completely unnecessary. I understand your point. I think it's a fair point. I think that they did that because they were having Dustin lose, and I think they wanted to give him that, like, big pop spot before he lost. So I understand it in that context, but I also understand why it annoyed people as well. I like that Bryce Rimsberg actually enforced the rules and was like, no, you're not kicking this man in the groin. Like this is the first time you've enforced the rules. Like since the inception of this company, dude, but it's a new year. Everything gets reset. I guess, uh, they had a league officials meeting and, and, uh, Bryce Rimsberg was, you know, given a talking to, and so he's, he's gonna enforce the rules. So good on him. Yep, Uh, Private Party was going to be interviewed in a bar when Adam Page arrived and started to drink. They said they were worried about him, and Page said he'd whoop their asses on his own and left. Drunk Adam Page is an extension of the Being the Elite series, which, again, they really should have talked up because, as Jeremy has said before, not everybody's watching Being the Elite or AEW Dark. Hey, um, this is, well, well, I'll mention it afterwards. Remind me to, to mention... Uh, a thing after we get done recapping dynamite sorry go ahead sure a thing this led to mjf and the wardlow arriving in the ring mjf mocked the crowd for having their heads up their asses calling them stupid made fun of cody said cody needs him in 2020 and then talked about the stipulations for their match he will face him at revolution but if cody touches him before then there will never be a match um, the match will take place if Cody beats an opponent of his choosing, which will be the Wardlow, apparently in a steel cage match. The War Dog, the Wardlow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then finally, before the match, on TNT Live, 
Cody will have to get down on his hands and knees and be whipped by MJF ten times with a leather strap. MJF is a fucking dick. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's good. Like, that's what it should be. I I had no issues with these stipulations. I figured something dog-related would come into play. Uh, I thought maybe MJF would say, like, you got to put Pharaoh up in the match or something like that. I think everybody was waiting for the Pharaoh thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I definitely thought that was going to come into play. But, um, you know, whipping him like a, like a you know, get on your hands and knees like a dog, get whipped. I don't know. Maybe you should have made him eat dog food. I've um, never seen that That's before. That's already taken. Um, uh, yeah, but MJF, he's making him run kind of kind of a little ringer here, you know? Can't touch him. Got to go through my big boss with inside a steel cage, and then you you get whipped as well. So Cody is like that's a cruel punishment. You know that's not a thing of you just got to beat this guy or uh, you know it's three things and it's they're all humiliating or sacrificial in, in some way. You know can't you can't touch him. So you've got to wait while this guy probably berates you for like. Uh, five, six weeks, seven weeks, however long it is till the pay-per-view. You can't do anything about it. You you get beat up in a cage by the Wardlow, and then you get humiliated on television, and like you get lashed, and like that that's gonna suck too. So yeah, great, great dick moves by MJF here. Loved it. You know that cage match. You know Cody's moonsaulting off that fucker onto the Wardlow, right? Oh God, um, probably, and I I hope the the best for him. Yeah, I hope he doesn't blow out a knee, but I'm telling you, that's happening. Yeah, yeah, it pro- probably is. We'll see how the Wardlow is. Um, like that That is one thing that I guess it's going to be Wardlow's first match. And, like, Co- Cody, he, here's the thing, though. He just said he has to face him, right? Like, he didn't say he has to beat him. So I'm not saying Wardlow's going to win. I don't know what the the stipulations are going to be. If it's well, yeah, escape, they, the... they could use it as a big trap for MJF to just come in and lock the cage and beat the fuck out of Cody for ten minutes and then do the match when MJF beats Cody. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like they, they can. Yeah, I I don't know how how they're gonna play it, but I, my my over point is that I don't know if beating Wardlow in his first match like that. Uh, Makes a makes a ton of sense, but I guess if Cody escapes or something, or if again Cody doesn't have to win the match to get the match with MJF, he just has to face Wardlow. So technically, MJF could just like come in and beat the shit out of Cody, or the the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny and the the whoever can come in and beat the shit out of Cody, and Wardlow can win, and Cody can still get the match against MJF because he just faced Wardlow. So that way, you're you're not beating Wardlow. And like you, you're not really sacrificing Cody if he if he loses, especially if there's a bunch of interference and stuff because he's Cody. I will say I do think Wardlow's first match being with Cody though is really smart because we've seen Cody working with Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara. He's really giving. He does a lot of smart things. I think he'll work to his strengths. So I do think that is a smart call. Oh, for for sure. Like any. Anybody working with Cody is going to be a smart call because Cody is the – him and Jericho are the the best when it comes to just being very giving, putting guys over without losing. And, like, that will protect Wardlow. But there's a difference between, you know, Cody beating Guevara. Okay, Guevara is kind of the, the last on the rung in the inner circle. Cody beating Darby Allen. Okay, Darby is – 
uh, like that's his role. He's the underdog who is smaller, gets beaten, finds a way to win, or or just you know gets beaten by by top guys. But like if people relate to him because he just takes such a beating. Cody beating Wardlow is a different thing because you built Wardlow as this dude who beats up fifteen dudes outside of a club. Yeah. So we will see how that plays out. Uh, they tried to interview Jurassic Express, but they got oddly cut off by music and drunk Adam Page joining commentary. Yeah, the audio was really bad here, and I don't think the interview was good in the first place. Jungle Boy yeah. did not sound very comfortable. So uh, they announced next week they're in Memphis. There will be a tribute to Memphis Legends. Riho versus Chris Statlander. The Rhodes Brothers versus the Lucha Brothers. Sammy Guevara, Christopher Daniels. Private Party versus Omega and Adam Page. And John Moxley answering Chris Jericho. Good lineup for next week. Yeah, another, another strong lineup. Uh, Riho was going to be interviewed to comment on her title defense next week, but Britt Baker came in and heavily laid the ground for her heel turn. I'm fine with Britt Baker turning heel because they just keep beating her. So I didn't like some of the language with the whole, you haven't been here, you're not deserving of the, the championship. Like, dude, she just beat you. She's beaten you before. Like, it, okay, she hasn't been there, but if you look at their records, Baker's wrestled two more matches than Riho. Like, it's not like she's hasn't been a fighting champion she took a match she literally took a match that she did not have to take against three people she'd beaten and and won that match so the the whole like you haven't been here i you don't deserve the title i didn't really care for that like i Britt baker could have just been frustrated without kind of chastising riho for not being deserving of the title because i think that almost makes Riho look bad because she clearly does deserve the title. I did laugh, though, that Britt's whole thing was, you haven't been here and you stole my title and I'm a dentist, bitch. Yeah. That was basically, like, the gist of her promo, which I laughed at. <laughs> yeah, the whole, like, I, I'm running a dentist practice and I'm here every week. Like, cool, she's wrestling in Japan. Like, wh- you know, what's your argument here? Yeah, I just, I laughed at it. I hope if, when she fully turns heel... I hope every week she comes out and she's like, "You do remember I'm a dentist, right?" I and hope just, she. Re- I hope she just reminds people to like go to the dentist. It's yeah. like the most annoying shit ever. Is when you get those reminders like it's your six months checkup. You need to do this. Like, oh, fuck, it's been six months already. Like, yeah, I, I hope she reminds the shit out of people she's a dentist because that's I. It might turn into go away heat, but it, it'll be good heat at least at the start. Yeah. Uh, the main event was the Elite versus the Lucha Brothers and Pack. Uh, it went 13 and a half minutes. The Elite pick up the win. Uh, the Elite on this show, proving that they are still Elite on some level. Thought it was a really damn good sprint style main event. Um, just lots of action. I think it was kind of the match the people wanted. You don't have to get overly complicated. I understand that some people won't like it. There was too many destroyers, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I'm not criticizing if you didn't like it. But I also think that to a point, um, we talked in recent weeks about certain things not landing, like the Dark Order stuff not landing and everything like that. But And then at the same time, you also have to play to your audience. And 
The audience that likes these six guys, I think, wanted to see this style match. Thought it was really good on the level of Cody and Darby Allen, although I liked Cody and Darby Allen more as a complete wrestling match. Really good, though, I thought. And the post, yeah. hang on, really, really quick. The post match was Cody joining the celebration with his friends, but Adam Page refusing to get in on the festivities, Jeremy. Yeah, I like Sauce Hangman Page. Um,. I, I enjoy this match as well. I'm with you. Not quite on the level of uh, Cody and Darby Allen for me, but still very good. A very elite style match, and that is perfectly fine because that's what the people want to see from them, as you said. Like, So I didn't have an issue with it. Uh, people will, I guess now the complaint is after weeks of complaining that the elite aren't booked strong enough, now the elite are being booked too strong. Um, you know, You can't have it both ways here. Uh, I do think that like Pentagon and Phoenix are being underutilized when it comes to to wins and losses. I'm, I'm worried that they're almost doing the same thing with Pack now. Um, so so that that concerns me a little bit. But the elite should look like stars. By th- this isn't a complaint. It's, it's just a kind of an observation of. You know, they keep telling me like, oh, the elite aren't on track, and you know they haven't been elite and stuff like they're getting title shots they're they're main eventing a lot of shows like just because they haven't won the titles doesn't take away from everything else they've accomplished which is seemingly like everything outside of winning the titles and so and they they don't have a lot of titles in the first place so it's basically it makes it i guess in one rest, in on one hand it makes it seem like okay the titles are really important and winning those should be a big deal. But on the other hand, it makes it seem like if you're not winning the titles, then basically you're you're a big loser who doesn't accomplish anything. And it shouldn't work like that because I have a big issue with that in, in real sports as well. Like you're telling me Carl Malone is, is not a Hall of Fame player because he never won a title. Like that that's stupid logic. Um, so so yeah, I, I I don't really buy the whole oh they're not elite storyline. They've been going through troubles and stuff. Literally, their only trouble is they they haven't won titles. Otherwise, they they main event. They win more than they lose, and they're doing just fine. All right, so that wrapped up the show, Jeremy. Overall thoughts, and what's the thing you wanted to talk about? Oh well, overall thoughts. The thing I wanted to talk about was has nothing to do with AEW. Um, but overall thoughts on the show was it was great. Uh, I. I as, as I said, that it was a very sports-centric feel to a lot of stuff that they did, and that's what I want out of this company. I, I don't want the the Dark Order, even though they they fixed it with kind of the cult stuff, but or the yeah the, with the Join Dark Order stuff before they gimmicked it up too much the other week. Uh, like I don't want that sports entertainment nonsense. I definitely don't want Brandy cutting her bad promos and all that stuff. Like. I just want good wrestling matches. I want short promos that that accomplish something and set up something. Like everything felt had a level of importance this week. Every single segment, I felt like, hey, th- this is something that feels important uh, in, in on some level. All the matches felt important. Everything felt like it had a purpose. So I really liked this week. I think it was one of their best shows since. Maybe one of the, like the first or second episode. I think the only thing kind of holding it back was as great as the Daily's Place venue looked, uh, and it does look awesome, by the way. Uh, the the crowd heat wasn't on like the level of those first few shows where like they were reacting for everything and going crazy for 
every single thing. And like those, some of those Cody Jericho segments, like the heat on those segments were outrageous. And like there was nothing quite on that level for this one. Not, not to say that the crowd was dead. It just didn't match that the, the level of those early shows. Um, and that's really like the, the only thing is the crowd could have been livelier. And, but I don't think that takes away from the overall quality of the show. And I, it, shouldn't even take away from the crowd it's just a comparison to the first couple of weeks which were super hot all right yeah um yeah i thought it was a really good show really enjoyed this week a lot of good in-ring stuff they continued on with some feuds and everything i think they're putting people in good positions i do like that they backtracked a little on the dark order stuff because Obviously, they've put a lot into it already. They're not going to totally get rid of it, but I'm glad that they're rethinking it and didn't just go, like, fucking balls deep and have these fuckers out there killing everybody again after that reaction. Um, I think it's good. It does show that they are listening, uh, despite what some people are going to tell you. Um, They are listening to certain criticisms and stuff. So, Um, yeah, I am happy about that. And um, it's just a really enjoyable show. I liked I didn't think anything was bad, especially the wrestling. Wrestling was just really, really good this week. Uh, A lot of fun. Show flew by. Yeah. Who won the week between AEW and NXT? Are we talking about NXT? Yes. I didn't watch. We're to talk about NXT. Okay. So we'll get your brief thoughts here. Yeah, NXT was a best of show, so I did not make Jeremy watch. Um, not that it's a bad show or anything like that, but I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta pick your timing. So I mean, um, I did, you didn't make me watch. I wasn't going to watch anyway, <laughs> and there was nothing to to cover. From this show, it was a bunch of awards and Dusty Classic announcements. I can read those online. Yeah. So yeah, th- thanks for totally killing my authority, man. <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> no. So uh, awards episode. Um, they came out. They uh, had big big video package highlighting 2019, and then they talked about the match of the year candidates. And the first one they showed was from NXT Takeover 25, which was the Street Profits defeating Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, the Forgotten Sons, and Undisputed Era in a ladder match to win the tag titles, which was a great tag team match. Really enjoyed that one. Uh, the tag team of the year ended up being Undisputed Era. They came out all in their suits like a bunch of assholes, harassed William Regal, celebrated, hugged, and posed. Just the biggest group of douchebags. So great. Gotta love those guys. The uh, male competitor of the year was Adam Cole. And again, Adam Cole came out. He celebrated with his douchebag friends because that's what they do. It was great. Uh, Shanna Baszler won the female competitor of the year. And then the rivalry of the year was Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano. Adam Cole ranking up awards with his undisputed friends. Uh, the number two match of the year candidate was the women's war games match, which at the time Jeremy and I heavily praised great match. A lot of good stuff there, including the Dakota Kai heel turn. They did not show the full matches, by the way. They only showed clips like big chunks of clip, but uh, not the whole match. Uh, the uh, future star of the year ended up being Dakota Kai, and uh, that led to the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic announcements. Uh, NXT versus NXT UK theme this year, Jeremy. Undisputed Era, Forgotten Sons, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne, and Kushida with a mystery partner. A lot of people speculating Alex Shelley might come in for the Dusty yeah. Classic, which would be fucking awesome, I'm not going to lie. Uh, NXT UK is going to be represented by the Grizzled Young Veterans, Gallus, Imperium, and Mark Andrews, and Flash Morgan Webster. 
So, Goodfield and the Forgotten Sons. Uh, I guess. I'm, I'm not, like, enthused by this field. I guess because, like, I NXT UK does almost nothing for me. Yeah, the Forgotten Sons do nothing for me. Love Undisputed Era is a weird combination, but okay. Uh, I, I almost would have rather had like Riddle and Lee or, or Leo and, and Keith Lee. Like, could have done that combo. Um, and Kushida, yeah, hopefully he, he teams with Alex Shelley. Maybe he'll team with Keith Lee. Like, that's a cool team too. Um, some Something like that. Like, I, I'd be fine with that. But like, I'm not thrilled with with like this lineup and i think part of it is because half of the field is nxt uk and i don't really care about any of those guys well you better start to care because we have a pay-per-view to review next weekend um who's wrestling on it you'll find out you'll be fine anyway breakout star of the year was big keith lee he got congratulated by triple h match of the year for nxt uh, ended up being Cole, Cole versus Gargano from NXT TakeOver New York. Uh, a great choice. Uh, sad to see that they did not give uh, Tyler Bate and uh, Walter any love on this show at all, though. Oh, it's not NXT UK awards. It's NXT awards. But still, they were mixing in NXT UK people for all these fucking awards, dude. No. Were they nominated? I think so. Yeah, because like Ilya Dragunov was uh, nominated for Future Star. I know that offhand. Uh, Kaylee Ray was nominated for Female of the Year. Oh. So, yeah, Tyler yeah, Bate for Male Competitor had... of the Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they were mixed in. So. But, okay. yeah, I was disappointed that that one did not get any love on the show. But, I mean, Cole and Gargano, definitely a great choice for that. Um, that was Gargano's big moment. Great match between those two guys. So yeah, that's that's NXT uh, TV this week, guys. It's not a deep review because it was a best of show. There's... I saw I saw Adam Cole posing with all of his awards and the title, and that was a great photo. Oh yeah, I mean he just he and I mean this in the greatest way. I'm not trying to mean so he looks like the biggest asshole in the world. Yeah, and it's spectacular. So um, yeah, I lo- I love that. So it was it was a good best of show though. Don't get me wrong, good best of show. If you were behind and hadn't watched a lot of NXT, you wouldn't have wasted your time with it. It would have been a good catch-up show to get into things for next week. But if you follow every week, it was not a show you needed to watch like Jeremy didn't. Because he's a slacker. Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, th- that is going to wrap things up. Uh, just Wait, th- I got a thing. Oh, I'm sorry, your thing. Hit me with the thing. Uh, so remember... Um, a few weeks ago when you, you teased like an ROH thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. BJ Whitmer put out a statement on that. Uh, him and Kelly Klein are getting a divorce and he writes that this is happening because Kelly breached the trust in our relationship by stepping outside our marriage. So make of that what you will. Yeah, and that is what we were talking about a couple weeks ago, unfortunately. Uh, sad to see a marriage end, so. Yes. But, uh, yeah, draw your own conclusions. Um, that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough situation because Kelly Klein had a lot of sympathy um, with, with the way she was treated by ROH, but now you read that she 
breached the trust of her relationship with Whitmer, and uh, that's not a good look for for Kelly Klein. So uh, I, I feel bad for for BJ Whitmer in this situation because he seemed like he did a lot of things right to, to try to help her, and um, not he's probably getting the the worst end of all of this. That's what it looks like. So. Sad news indeed. Uh, as I said, we're closing up for this week. Um, uh, programming note here, there will be a Wrestle Kingdom post-game show on Sunday. I was going to say Saturday, Sunday the 5th. Uh, Jeremy is busy that day. Jeremy's going to be off doing things, hanging out with his wife and stuff like that. So I am bringing in a special guest host for the show on Sunday, Jeremy. Joining me will be Ian Hamilton of BackBodyDrop.com. Ian is a great reviewer. Him and I talk all the time online when we're reviewing New Japan. Thought that I would get him on to do the show. And uh, him and I are also going to preview the NXT UK TakeOver card. And then next Wednesday night on the 8th, Jeremy will be back and we will uh, review New Year's Dash, AEW, NXT, and preview Impact Hard to Kill 2020. So lots of programming coming up here. Uh, Yeah, I don't have to preview this NXT UK show. Yeah, you have to review it, but you don't have to preview it. That's fine. I mean, I'll, I can review the, the, the show because I'll watch the, the show. And my preview would be like, who the fuck are these guys and why are they wrestling? <laughs> Fair enough. So, so thank you, Ian. So, but yeah, so we're going to have a lot of programming, special guest in Ian. And uh, I'm actually going to throw here, Jeremy doesn't know this, I'm going to throw to our closing segment of the show, which is featuring my daughter Hannah making her podcasting debut. So stay tuned for that. Alright, welcome back to the closing segment of the show. I have a special guest tonight. Uh, I'm going to make a lot of you guys that have been following me for a long time feel very old tonight. Think back to when I used to go to Chikara shows and I used to take my little daughter Hannah, who looked all adorable in her colony shirt and her various fire ant and green mant masks. And yeah, she's 18 now and she's going to be graduating this year and she is joining me tonight. Hannah, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, Hannah. So Hannah wanted to join the show. She wanted to talk about some of her favorite stuff in wrestling. Hannah, just to give the people kind of a clue on how similar we are, what are some of our some of our favorite things that we share in life? Uh, of course, Tarantino movies, and then Asian women and redheaded women. This is 100% factually correct, Hannah. I will uh, can't argue with you at all on that. Uh, I know that you wanted to talk about some of your favorites tonight. And um, one of the things we're going to do is apparently we got some Christmas cards. I had some people reach out and wanted to mail Christmas cards to us. So your job is going to be opening Christmas cards, Hannah. So why don't we open up a Christmas card before we get into your favorite stuff? Okay, uh, this first one is from Uncle Tony in Jacksonville. The card says, have an elite Christmas. Here's a hundred bucks for your gift. Have a great senior year. Love, Tony. Um, okay, I thought you only had one brother, Dad. I do. That's my brother, Steve. Okay, well then, who's this Uncle Tony? Uncle Tony is a guy I met at a wrestling convention one time. He seems very nice. He's a big fan. Allegedly an observer reader, um, and he wants to get involved in the wrestling business, I heard. Sure, okay. That that sounds very true. Not lying at all. Uh, 
So I, I have one list that I actually was able to make a top 10. Uh, my top 10 female wrestlers. All right. Now, Hannah, is this based off of wrestling looks or is it a combination? What are we going for here? Uh, I did my best to make it kind of a combination here. Uh, it was very hard. There's there's so many that I love. They're all amazing. But the one that, of course, the only one that I know for sure has an actual spot. I wasn't able to actually give them, like, numbers. But the one that I could give a number was Asuka as number one. Asuka is an excellent pick, especially if you've watched her YouTube channel. Amazing YouTube channel. And then I have Hikaru Shida. Oh my god, I love her. She is extremely adorable at all times and also does some very fun videos, especially when she tries to cook. And then I, I, I gotta love Sasha Banks. I, I gotta love the sass. Nothing wrong with the boss Sasha Banks. Um, shorty shorts always help too, but she is very great overall as a wrestler, so good pick. Thank you. I also can't help but adore Emmy Sakula. All right, do you dig the Freddie Mercury deal? Of course. What kind of question is that? I'm just making sure. Some people don't like it. I mean, she's adorable in it, so why would I not like it? All right, who do we got next? I next have Kyrie Sane. Mmm, love her. Mmm. I mean, Kyrie is awesome in pretty much all aspects. Does not help that she's great looking as well, but she is pretty awesome. Uh, hopefully we'll be back soon. She suffered a concussion to TLC, unfortunately. Very saddening. Makes me very depressed. Let's see. Next is Becky Lynch. Gotta love the man. I mean, got to. Gotta love Becky Lynch. Been a big Becky Lynch fan since uh, back in the day when I used to do my uh, news column. I always had closing graphics of her. Early days of Shammer. Um, was very disappointed when she was gone for such a long time and then she came back. But it's obviously been a great comeback. Becky Lynch is a damn good pick for a list, Hannah. Thank you. Next one, I'm pretty sure Alex would agree with me. Uh, Mia Yim. Me and Alex have jammed out to her theme so many times. And I actually was able to get Mia Yim to reply to a post that I made on Instagram of Alex dancing, which makes me feel very happy inside. It was adorable watching my little girl dance to that. She was having the best time, and that was cool that you got a response. Next is Io Shirai. Have to love. Have to. Just, who else are you going to adore? Even better since she's gone heel, Evil EO is spectacular in every way. Probably the best pure women's wrestler on that roster. Maybe overall, she's so great. Um, every little thing she does is pretty spectacular, so she is awesome. Uh, great pick there, Hannah. Also, uh, Reika Psyche. Uh, yep. I have no idea who that is. Go ahead. I absolutely adore her. Pretty pretty great wrestler, but this this one I have to admit mostly is looks. I'm so sorry. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. It's your list, kid. I'm not gonna knock you. And then also Naomi, have to love her. Totally. If if I had more time to actually put them in a rank, like in ranks, she would definitely be in the top five there. 
Fair enough. Good, good, good pick on Naomi. She's underutilized. Hasn't been on TV for a long time, unfortunately, due to legal issues with the Usos and uh, lack of creative and all that. But yeah, Naomi is a fine pick, Hannah. Good deal. Wrapping up that list. What do we got going on next, kid? Uh, looks like we have another card. Do you want me to open it? Open it. What do we got? Okay. Uh, this one is from Uncle Nick and Uncle Matt in California. It says, Merry Christmas, Hannah. Here's a hundred bucks this Christmas. Have a kick-ass super kick party. Okay, seriously. Where are these uncles from now? California. It says so on the card. No, seriously. Like, I don't remember these people. Uh, guys I met at a wrestling show. Um, good brothers, nice Christian lads. Uh, just uh, good people. And hey, what, why are you knocking it? They're sending you money. All right. Then I also have a top eight. I couldn't make it a top ten. Uh, top eight favorite wrestlers in general. All right. Favorite wrestlers overall. So what are we starting off with? One that has to be at the very top. Uh, the colony. The old school colony in specific. And I had to say my favorite out of them was Green Ant. I... They are, they are what I immediately remember when I think of Chikara. They were my favorite part of it all. Have to love them. I think there's slightly a bit of bias there because, um, you know, after the one uh, big main event victory in Burlington, the Colony did carry you around the ring on their shoulders. So I think that's a fair pick, though. Old school Colony is always great. I mean, I also got signed masks, so. This is true. Next is Shinsuke Nakamura. Have to adore him. He is looking great for his age. He is a phenomenal. Love both of his themes. He, I mean, you are pretty epic when you can get people to sing along to your theme and there's no words. This is a fair assessment, yeah. Shinsuke is obviously, he's uh, he slowed down a bit, um... I understand why you like him. Yeah, he slowed down a bit. Hopefully, he's going to, you know, see, he's, uh, well, basically, to be honest with you, and, like, you wouldn't know this, Hannah, but he left New Japan because the style was really taxing, and he wanted to work in America, and he basically got paid a lot of money, and he's on a retirement tour for the most part. But you know what? If you can get people to sign you for a bunch of money and still do a little bit of wrestling and have a good time and then surf in your free time, which he does, hey, more power to you. But I get why you like Shinsuke. Hey, good dude. Uh, big back uh, back late, um, catalog of stuff, too. So I'll have to pop up New Japan World and show you some of his older stuff as well. But that's a good pick. Who do you got next? Next uh, is The Undertaker. He's one of the guys that I would watch over Dad's shoulder as he would review older shows. And I always loved him. He was so cool, no matter what. I mean, props to the dude. He's awesome. Good call. Going a little old school with The Undertaker. I like it. I like it. Who do we got next, Hannah? Another old school one, Sting. I used to I used to have a teddy bear that was themed after Sting, and that was my favorite freaking teddy bear of all time. And I'm currently very sad that I don't know where it is. It's very saddening to me, but... I loved Sting, another guy that I would watch over Dad's shoulder as he reviewed stuff. Gotta love him. Fair, and uh, 
obviously, Hannah has a history of poorly naming animals that she got, like stuffed animals. She had a pink teddy bear that she called Pink Bear. My mom bought her this awesome little rabbit that was made out of like sock material that she called Sock Bunny. And the Sting Bear was basically just Sting Bear. But that's okay. You've you've actually gotten better at that over the years. Thankfully, your little sister isn't as bad as naming things, though. Oh, come on, man. Why you gotta call me out like that? Okay. Well, okay. Here's the other one too. Here, here's here's the crowning achievement. I think Blue Bear. Hey, I named my stuffed dog Marigold. I oh. think I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty unique. One. You got one. Okay, too <laughs> <sighs> All right, what do we got after Sting? Next, we have The Rock. Watched him, uh, watched him as Dad reviewed stuff. Did a pretty nice uh, duet there once where he sang a pina colada song. <laughs> I still remember that. Okay. One of my favorite moments. And then also, he's doing, he has a great life for himself right now doing movies and stuff. Very much so. I also remember you were horribly upset when John Cena defeated him at WrestleMania. I will admit, I was... I didn't know how what word was able to describe my anger for John Cena at that moment. It spawned many years of absolute hatred towards him. Like, I would hear his theme, I was immediately angry. I mean... I just despised him for years after that. You did. This is factually true, Hannah. And I, I used to laugh every time you'd pop in the room and John Cena would appear on the screen. She'd immediately exit. Nasty words coming out of her young mouth. She was not pleased by this at all. Who do you got next? Next, I have Ophidian. Absolutely, I was destroyed when he went evil. I was my, I was heartbroken for months after the announcement like dad can attest the moment that it came out like i was just dead inside for a while i think you were upset because you had a post-show dance party with him once and that's what really broke your heart i also have an ophidian mask too because he was awesome I i loved him a lot you did you had a lot of fun in shikara do you got anybody else on this list uh, I have two more. I have Hallow Wicked. Absolutely adored him. I mean, I think he slightly scared me as a kid, not too much. He was more cool than scary. And the, and as I grow up, you know, as I grew up, the scared of him turned into even more loving him. Hallow Wicked's a good pick. I like him. He's a guy that I wish would work more places. He actually got to work a uh, Ring of Honor at the end of last year, so I'm hoping he. Pops up more places because he's very good and has been for a long time. Who do you got else here? Yeah, what do we got? My last one is Dusty Rhodes. Have oh, Dusty Rhodes. We're going really old school. I want to hear this. I absolutely love the man. He was the man. <laughs> I mean, technically not really my time, which is saddening because everything that I watch on him absolutely amazing makes me wish that i was that i could go to shows with him and stuff i mean gotta love him too that's a good pick hannah and i i know you the the funny thing is she's actually she is telling the truth i know some of you get to laugh at this but 
I was watching a bunch of Dusty Rhodes promos one night, just going through stuff, and it was, yeah, just going back into my day and just like absorbing these Dusty promos, which are just so good. And Hannah walks in, and she's just like, she was honestly like kind of captivated, and she's like, "Why, why doesn't the shows now have this?" And it's like, well, because every show has to have a twenty-minute talking segment where they say nothing. To whereas when you had guys like Dusty and Flair and Arn and a bunch of these guys back in the day, there wasn't a bullshit 20 minute promo segment. They got out there two and a half to four minutes. They got it. They got the point across. They sold the angle. They sold the town. They sold the date. They sold everything you needed to know. And that's just, yeah, Dusty is pretty much for me like my all time promo king. There's a lot of guys you can argue up there. You can put Piper up there and a lot of other people, but. For me, it was always Dusty. I'm proud of that pick, Hannah. I like that pick very much. I mean, ever since I saw the first, that promo that you were watching, I just, I kept looking up on him and stuff. I kept asking you more about him. Just, he had to be on the list there. And for everybody wondering, it was the Hard Times promo that that sucked her in, which pretty much, I mean, if you don't get pulled in by the Hard Times promo, you have no soul. I think I was crying, to be honest. I, I think I was tearing up. Well, I mean, if you were, that means it worked even all these years later. <laughs> what do we got coming up next, kid? Uh, I see that we have one more card here. Do you want me to open it? Go ahead, man. What do we got? Okay, uh, this one is from Uncle Cody and Aunt Brandy in Atlanta. It says, Dear Hannah, Merry Christmas. You're lucky to have such a fair and balanced father. Please accept this $200 and know that by no means can your father's opinion ever be bought. Okay, um, who the hell are these people? A lovely couple I met at a wrestling show one time. Very nice. They have a beautiful dog as well. I hope you know that this smells like a whole bunch of BS. I, Hannah, you read the card. Obviously, my opinions cannot be bought. Why would these lovely people be sending you money and saying all these nice things? I mean, it's Christmas. Can't you just accept some money and be happy? Sure, sure. All right, and then I have another list. My top eight wrestlers' themes. Ooh, theme music. We like wrestling theme music. I'm interested to see where you're going with this. What do we got first? First, of course, Asuka. I mean, listening to her theme, I feel like I'm about to go and kick someone's ass. I mean, that that's what you need in wrestling theme music. Oscar does have some great theme music. I love that one. What do we got next? Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, my two favorite ones, specifically t- at two events, was uh, the one at SmackDown Live, uh, April 4th, 2017. That one, freaking... That... V- it was so awesome. I felt the emotions. Everyone was singing along. I mean, just... I, I loved it. That one truly made me love Shinsuke Nakamura, I think. And then SmackDown on April 24th, 2018. Debuting his music. The new, the the new theme. I mean... After that, after you showed me that, I immediately started lo- looking it up so that I could start learning how to sing along. <laughs> Fair enough. I like that you actually have dates, too. Look at you going into detail. Not bad. What do we got next? Next is The Undertaker. I actually have his theme music. Uh, 
downloaded on my phone from Amazon Music because it's another one of those to where I feel like I'm about to go and kill someone and I love it. You got a lot of death and killing here, Handy. You might need to brighten up your day a little bit. What do you got next? I mean, I have Minoru Suzuki from Wrestle Kingdom 7. Ah, oh, the live one at Wrestle Kingdom 7. Yes, that one is a great one. That one, man, that one just made me feel so many emotions at once. I mean, you gotta love it. The best part about Suzuki's theme music is it like it feels like it shouldn't fit him at all because it's kind of like this lovely ballad about a lonely warrior, and then this bad motherfucker comes out and looks like he's just gonna rip your face off, and it's so great. I I love his music. I mark out for it every time. Best theme music in wrestling. I agree. Almost there are so many, and then another one, Jushin Liger. Jushin Thunder Liger, gotta love the theme music. It's uh, it's lasted pretty much his entire run, like 30 years. And sadly, uh, January 6th is going to be the last time we hear it. I'm going to be very depressed because I, I love the man. He is so awesome. And then for his music to last that long, you, you know it's an awesome theme. I agree. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I already talked about this on the Wrestle Kingdom podcast with Jeremy. I am just going to be a fucking mess when Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash is over and there's going to be no more Liger. It's just, uh, it's a sad time. But what else do you got here, Hannah? Uh, Mia Yim, which both me and Alex can attest to. (laughs) I have downloaded both her older theme music and her newer one. We love both of them. Me and Alex dance to them and stuff. I have started to learn to sing along to it even. I mean, gotta love it. That's a good one. And I know you and Alex do love that one, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Next up, I have Sting. But I have to say, specifically, WCW Seek and Destroy theme. Specifically. Okay, you have spectacular taste because that is the... As far as the Crow Sting theme music, that is the best. Um, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. I love that you actually got the proper one. I'm even more proud of you. Thank you. And then the last one is Becky Lynch. I, I couldn't keep her off of the list. I mean, I, I absolutely adore the theme. I will, I will literally... This is one of the two themes besides Oscars that I will hear from across the house while dad is reviewing something and I'll run across the house to see to see her come out. This is also true. She does. She marks out hard for the theme music of those two. So, um, yeah, it's always funny because I'll be typing all of a sudden across the house and I always think it's going to be like the little one. No, it's the big one. She has to come in and watch the entrances and stay around for a couple minutes because she's so excited. I mean, why wouldn't I? It's... It's amazing theme music. You automatically know who it is. You know that someone's going to get their ass whooped. I mean, it's an amazing theme. All right, fair enough. I'm not going to argue with you because I do like those as well. Those are, I think those are solid theme music picks, Hannah. I like those. Do we have anything else you want to talk about? Oh, gosh. Uh, I forgot one list. What do we got then? It is the list of my favorite wrestlers to hate. Oh, all right, fair enough, because 
as much as we love certain people, there are always those those assholes that, whether it be their character or just whatever, we don't like them. What do we got for this list, Hannah? Uh, well, top of the list, very top, number one, is uh, Old School Fist from Chikara, or as I called it as a kid, the Purple Pants Guys. <laughs> I never knew that their name was Fist, so I just called them the Purple Pants Guys. You know, fist means friends in similar tights. That's why they were called that. I still despise them. Fair enough. I still have heat with Icarus from that Tennessee show when he uh, whipped that little goblin towards your pregnant mom and I had to take the bump to save her and then got fucking goblin paint all over me. Still coming for you, motherfucker. I will go to a show one day and get you with my bionic leg. Okay, but you're forgetting that I also have beef with him because of that stupid tattoo. Well, I mean, the world has beef with Icarus because of the horrible tattoo, so that's fair. And I mean, this man would try to scare me every time he saw me. He would see us because we would be towards the front of the crowd. And he, and he would come over and they would all do their best to try and scare me. And I would stand my ground and stare at them with anger imbued in my eyes because I was not backing down. Yeah, uh, Chuck Taylor has heat with you because of that, because he used to scare kids all the time really well, and he was very upset that my kid wouldn't be scared, which I always thought was funny. Well, he could come at me. Let, let's go. I'll see you at a show one day, and we can throw down. <laughs> all right, uh, do you have anybody else on your most hated list? Actually, no, that's it. That's It's just Fist. <laughs> just <laughs> old school Chikara Fist. Uh, Hannah, before we wrap up, do you have, uh, do you have any memories of the Chikara shows or just, do you just, uh, anything you want to share from next? We used to go to those, you know, decently regularly when they used to come down here and used to have a good time, make a little weekend trip out of it. So anything you remember from that? I absolutely adored how, I don't know how you did it, but we always got like front row or almost front row seats, which was amazing for my fist hating because I could be right there to stare them down and I would be the loudest one booing them the loudest I swear yeah you used to get um people used to call you out on the Chikara message board they'd be like hey Zonka and his family were there again we could hear her daughter all night long which is a good thing because you were a kid having a great time I mean Chikara was an amazing place I sincerely missed go I sincerely missed going I mean, it was so fun. You could tell that you could bring your family there. It was awesome. I absolutely loved it as a kid. And I mean, it was just an amazing thing that we used to go to. And I really wish we could go more. Yeah, I kind of fell out with Chikara when they did the... They had the weird angle with uh, the company, quote-unquote, being bought and shutting down and... That had to do with outside of wrestling reasons, but yeah, I kind of fell out of it after that. I just, uh, it was just too, too muddled for me after that. But I mean, I always had a good time taking you and your mom. We had a good time. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the one weekend where we did the double header was like the best fun because unfortunately Madison Eagles got hurt. So we didn't get to see Madison Eagles wrestle, but we had Kana in that weekend. Now Oscar and she, uh, destroyed young Jesse McKay, which is Billy Kay now on WWE TV. She destroyed her. And I remember 
you went up, we were getting some autographs at the merch table, and you were so upset because Jesse McKay couldn't sign your autograph because she was selling her right arm being ripped off by Kana so good. And then you felt so sad for her because she couldn't use her arm. I always thought that was funny. But then the next night was awesome, though, because that weekend had two amazing matches because we had um, Sarah Del Rey and Mike Quackenbush the first night which Mike Quackenbush yelled at you because you were telling him to stop being mean, and he told you that he wasn't going to forget the last year because that was after the BDK angle and Sarah Del Rey was all mean. And then the next night we got Kana and Sarah Del Rey, which was fucking epic, as Kana was kicking Del Rey so hard she was kicking her own kick pads off. I mean, oh God, you are my, you just, oh, Mike Quackenbush. He was such an awesome man. And I do remember me yelling at him to not be mean. Like, I was I was distraught that he was being so mean. I, I was very distraught that this man was being mean to someone else. Because I did not know him as someone that was being mean. And my little kid mind was like, you know what? We're going to yell at him to stop being mean. And he'll stop. And then he yelled back and I was like, oh no. <laughs> He's being mean. That was funny. I just funny thing like we always had fun at the, the Chikara shows. We'd uh we'd drop cookies off for Bryce and everybody, and then I just I thought it was funny because like the one show we're at we're, we're going in and Eddie Kingston is low key trying to smoke a heater out back, and he's like trying to make sure the kids don't see him, but he's fucking Eddie Kingston. So it was like who cares? It's Eddie Kingston. He's allowed to smoke a heater in the back. But I just, I always laughed at that. But yeah, we had a ton of good times. We, uh, I remember the first show we went, we won the raffle and that's how you got your colony shirt. And I remember people joking, everybody thought it was fixed cause I won it. <laughs> but, um, that was good. And you, you had that colony shirt until this year, until you've finally passed it on to your little sister. I'm still very upset. I kind of want to take it back from Alex cause I love that shirt so much. Homie, you're 18. It don't fit anymore. Well, then we need a replacement because I want my colony shirt. Well, you got money now and they got a website. Go get yourself one. You can keep the masks. Darn. I I do still... I used to have every single ticket from the shows we went to. Like, I would be like, Dad, give me your ticket. And I would keep yours and Mom's. And... I would keep them in this drawer along with, uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, with all the masks. I kept all the masks in that drawer as well. And I only recently got rid of the tickets because I'm trying to not have so much stuff. <laughs> but not them- too much shit. <laughs> but I am never getting rid of those masks, like, ever. Ever. <laughs> They may be starting to get a bit too small, but I'm still keeping them. Well, good. So, yeah, it's a... And that's been part of the fun with me covering wrestling over the years, is that, like, the yeah, Christy was into it at points, especially, like, when we were in college, and she'll pop in and catch stuff. Being able to take my daughter to shows like that was just a, a really fun time, and a little, little bonding thing, obviously, and Shakara was kind of the perfect product to take her to at the time because as we've talked about and she mentioned just totally family friendly tons of fun acts that the kids can get into with the masks and everything and it was just a a really good time and I just I look back on that and we always had a, a fun time and made a fun weekend out of it and 
it was a good time. So I was like, I'm glad that you still enjoy some of the wrestling stuff, Hannah. And I think that's a uh, really cool. And I think that was awesome. You wanted to talk to me about some wrestling tonight. I mean, I'm still going to love wrestling. I mean, I don't really have the time as much anymore when I was a kid to be able to watch over your shoulder, see, see the matches and stuff. But I do love how you usually keep them saved for me, especially the ones you know I would love, you know, with Asuka and stuff. You, you know that I love them, so you'll keep them safe for me. Always love that. But no matter, even if I'm not going to be able to watch them at all, really, I'm still going to absolutely adore and support my favorite wrestlers. And I think that's cool, man. So, Hannah, I want to thank you for popping on and talking with me tonight. Just a, a little bonus extra. Hannah wanted to talk some wrestling. I said, sure, why not? We'll, we'll, we'll record a little something. So, at this time, I want to thank you for listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choosing. Until next time, see you later.